Welcome to Beyond the Benefits. My name is Colleen Patterson, and I'm the Vice President of Compliance and Employer Services here at Savoy. And I'm excited because Chris and I are back together again. Chris, you want to say hello? Good morning, Colleen. It's good to see you again. And we're going to talk about a fun topic today, uh, something that blows up both of our inboxes with yes. regularity and is both exciting and frustrating at the same time. So this is Chris and I getting into our techie side on today's topic, and you can hear his enthusiasm because uh, we're talking about um, AI, or so artificial intelligence, and what is that, and uh, chat GPT because it is all over the news, and our industry is not immune to that by any means. Um, and Chris and I, we were talking a little bit about this because it's – Definitely something that could be beneficial to some aspects of our world, but I think like so many topics, we got to understand what it is, how does it help us, what does it really mean in our day-to-day -day world of employee benefits and uh, being, you know, brokers, employers, and so on. Uh, so, Chris, how about we start here first, because you're even more of a techie than I am. So, why don't you tell us all the difference between what AI is, and then let's talk a little bit about G uh, ChatGPT and what exactly that means. Absolutely. So before we even get into that, I'm not going to bury the lead. Do not ask ChatGPT for compliance answers. <laughs> we'll talk about why in a little bit, but that's your first part is don't, don't go there. Don't ask it to give you factual answers. So AI is artificial intelligence, and artificial intelligence implies that an algorithm, a series of decisions done by a computer or some sort of a process, can do the functions that are normally ascribed to a human. So it doesn't mean that it's particularly smart. It's just the type of stuff we normally ascribe to a human being. So that's AI. We've had AI in a number of different realms. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not really new to our industry. So you know, think of uh, things like um, Ask Emma, which is a decision support tool. And it's an avatar, and you can go through answering some questions, and then it's going to give you some type of response based on your answers to these questions. Another early adopter of that was uh, Alex, which was the Jelly Vision tool. A little more sophisticated than that, but we're talking about a whole new level of sophistication here. Yeah, so what really changed was last fall, a company called OpenAI released a tool to the world called ChatGPT. And GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformers. And what ChatGPT uh, and Microsoft's uh, BARD, um, Bing, there's, uh, Google's got BARD, yep. um, Microsoft's got a tool. There's a number of different language models out there. They're called large language models. And what they do is they predict a response that they think the user wants to see. So they scour the entire internet. ChatGPT's library is the internet in its entirety up to 2021. And so there's a lot of language out there. And so by learning that language, the tool can figure out what an appropriate response might sound like. And so when you ask it for a creative idea, give me uh, 10 ideas on how to spend my FSA dollars. It'll come up with 10 answers and it'll tell you things that it, it found across really 25, 30 years of the internet of people writing articles about that. And they'll try to summarize those and basically do word math. It adds all the words up and it figures out which ones fit in the right place. And then it gives them back to you in a formula that should make sense. And it's going to give you an incredibly compellingly written piece that is written as if somebody who knew exactly what they were talking about wrote it. That's where it gets dangerous because it looks very well written. And in the history of our society and our, and our use of language, we have always understood well-written to be strongly correlated with factual. 
True. <laughs> there are editors involved. There's <laughs> fact checking. If you bought a book, you understood that that book had an editor behind it, and mm-hmm. that editor had a lot to lose if they weren't correct. Same thing with traditional uh, newspapers and and things like that. So what we have now is we have a language model that will tell you something in a very clearly written way that sounds incredibly compelling, but it's telling you what it thinks you're looking for. And that's an important distinction to keep in mind as you use these tools. And I think, I mean, just as we're talking about the timing of this, you had said last fall, and I think it dropped, it was like November timeframe. Um, so we're talking, I mean, you know, today, you know, here we are in June, we're only talking a few, you know, seven, eight months ago when this dropped. And this has been a huge disruptor to all industries. So, I mean, even on the HR side, like you were given the example of, you know, give me 10 ways of how to use my FSA dollars. Well, you know, from an HR perspective, you could put in an inquiry there. It says, write me a job description on an administrative assistant with three years experience and 250 words or less. You can be that specific, but to Chris's point, even though you may get something back that's well-written, is it going to meet all of the requirements that it needs to? Think of things like EEOC requirements. Um, does it have um, you know, any additional protections that need to be in the job description about ADA or whatever, you know, other uh, particular federal laws? And it doesn't necessarily return those things. It may be sophisticated enough to mention it as an important item to take a look at, but to Chris's point, it may not be 100% accurate. So it still requires you to take the time to research what the researcher has given to you, the researcher being, in this example, ChatGPT. And, and where it gets really dangerous is that it's often really good. It's, it gives you a lot of correct information, but not exclusively correct information. So when you ask it a question about how uh, discrimination works for age discrimination in employment, it can go out and find a lot of information on that. It can give you a very factual answer. Mm -hmm. And if the only information it's brought in is correct, it's going to give you a correct answer. And I will not say that ChatGPT is a better writer than everybody listening to this podcast, but it's a better writer than most people listening to this podcast because it's a better writer than most people. And it's definitely faster than anybody I've ever met. You can create uh, a thousand word essay on any topic in a matter of seconds just by asking it. Uh, so there's a ton of opportunity here if you know what you're doing. And I think you made a, a really important distinction where you said that it's going to return what it thinks you want to know. So let's talk about benefits, though, because benefits, the difference between thinking what you want to, want to know is benefits are facts. It is 100% factual. The copay is X. The deductible is this. The maximum out-of-pocket is Y. So... I think that's where uh, something like this can then get somebody into a little bit of trouble if you're going to put that in there that says, you know, write me a benefit summary that has to do with um, my Independence Blue Cross medical plan as we sit here in mm-hmm. Philadelphia today recording. Um, but the nuances to that are super important because when you, even in this example, when you're talking about the blues, every blues has its own unique instances based on the state that that blue is in. And chat GPT is not necessarily going to know that because again, benefits are factual and the research that it's returning to you is what it thinks you're going to want to know. And it's going to be, to Chris's point, well-written, but it may not be factual in its description. Yeah. So a recent example, I've had a couple of inquiries land in my inbox where somebody asked ChatGPT a compliance question. 
Uh, and in both cases, it gave a very compelling answer. One of them had to do with the uh, taxability of fertility benefits on a state income tax level. Mm -hmm. And when the question was asked by the person who asked me, ChatGPT gave you a very official answer, and it said five different states. I took the same question, and I punched it into ChatGPT, and I got a very official answer of nine different states, of which none were those five listed in the first one. And that highlights some of the factual concerns. So you would never want to ask ChatGPT, is my doctor in this network? Because it doesn't know. But a great way to think of it is it's a calculator for words. So if you've got a benefit summary and you want to figure out how to turn that into a narrative, you can copy and paste that into ChatGPT and say, write a narrative about this or take this and explain it to somebody with a 10th grade English reading comprehension. And it'll do that for you. And it'll do it faster than you ever possibly could. You still have to go back and double check that it didn't change anything materially, that it didn't mischaracterize anything like that. But if you've got to explain how a deductible works and what the deductible is, there's a good chance you can get a good answer out of it. And that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, but then on the other hand, I recently got a, a question about um, a state insurance department record retention policy. And this is where... GPT giving you what it thinks you want to see gets dangerous because it gave me, it cited to the state code and it gave me a specific chapter. But when I went to that chapter to double check it because it looked very official and it actually gave me a site, that site, that section of the chapter said reserved, meaning there was no code where GPT sent me. So it made up an answer and it made up a part of the code. And that's incredibly compelling because sure. if I had copied and pasted that email, because the recipient generally thinks that I'm going to send them the right answer, they would rely on that without double-checking. And societally, we have long looked at anything with sites as being validated, because why would somebody mm -hmm. put in fake citations? <laughs> Interestingly enough in your example, though, that it, <laughs> it was intuitive enough to find the one statute and that one section that said reserved, yeah. and then it took its place and said, let me write it for you. <laughs> and I, I've so had that's it. Great. I've been playing with it a lot because I, I'm completely enamored with the idea of what it can do. Oh, it, it is absolutely fascinating. You're right, and you know, when you can put in very specifics, you know, give me, um, create a essay, 250 words or less, answering this question. The more specific you are, um, the result is pretty impressive. Just very like you're powerful. Saying. But but it's also given me fake web links. So I ask for sources send me the, the websites, it creates URLs for websites that aren't real. And they'll look real because if I ask for a question about tax, it'll generate a website that looks like it's going to the IRS. But when you click it, it's just a dead web page. It'll be at the IRS, but the, the end of the address will be some page that never existed because GPT created it. So you want to be mindful that for anything factual, like you mentioned, anything, right. anything in our business, that you actually know that your facts are accurately represented in what's in there. So I think you're right, that that's, that's clearly a limitation is the accuracy of the information because it's really, the function is, as you were saying, it's really to mirror human conversation like we're having uh, today. But I think another area of concern as it relates to our business and we're talking about tools like this is privacy because it's certainly not HIPAA uh, compliant by any means, and that's another area of concern. 
um, where you know, you've, you've got to be certain, you have to be very careful about personal information going out into any kind of an open forum where um, it's not a secure website, and this is not a secure tool. No, in fact, um, so we, we should have probably referenced in the beginning that everything we're saying is likely to change rapidly. Yes, uh, so, as technology yeah. does. <laughs> but the way that these tools work is they are they're large language models that are constantly learning. So the inputs become part of their output. So when you ask it a question and you refine that question, because you can have a conversation and tell it, make that funnier, make it snarkier, make it for uh, a 10th grade person, put it in Spanish. You can tell it to do all sorts of fun stuff right. and it learns along the way, but it incorporates that. And if you give it positive feedback, it rewards itself and it puts that output back into the chain. So what you want to be mindful of is, as of now, the consumer portions of ChatGPT don't have an allowance for a BAA. So you can't disclose right. protected health information to GPT. So if you want to use it to help you write a letter, make sure you strip out the personal identifiers. So you can still say, let's say I want to use ChatGPT to write a demand letter to a doctor's office because I want to fight a claim amount that they did. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing to use GPT for. But before you say, I want to fight a claim for John Smith for $800 incurred on October 3rd at this doctor for the treatment of mesothelioma, take out all those facts I just said and say, I want to fight a claim for this and make it so it doesn't track back to any person and then go back in and insert those things. Uh, that's a good way to do it. And uh, you're absolutely right because if you're putting in any kind of uh, personal information, um, it's essentially creating a database at the time that you're asking chat GPT to return some type of an answer to you, which means that someone else in the world could have access to your information if you don't scrub it. That's why it's so important to make sure that when you're using these kinds of tools that you understand that privacy is not something that you're getting through a chat, chat GPT tool or something similar. It's not available today. Absolutely. So the other part beyond HIPAA is that same principle applies to business information, anything you want to keep confidential. If you have a question about your personal income taxes and you don't want that to be publicly disclosed, don't put it into a tool that you know is going to retain it and use it for further development. It may or may not ever resurface, but you don't want to possibly jeopardize yourself in that regard. So it goes beyond just HIPAA. It could be business information. It could be personal information. Keep it to what you want the entire world to know uh, in the event of the inevitable data breach. Right. And I think that's how you have to look at any of those type of tools. Um, something else that I think is interesting, though, with this, and, and this is, again, another, I think, limitation of these type of tools, because, again, these tools are conversational, um, or that's what they're replicating is a conversation, is it doesn't take into uh, consideration other context. So things like a bias, for example, that's not necessarily that it's going to pick up. So even if you're um, for, so let's think about this, you know, from the perspective of leave policies. We get asked this all the time. How does state disability or private disability plan interact with FMLA? So if you were to ask it to return that answer to that question, it's not necessarily going to take into consideration some other factors because a lot of these decisions are facts and circumstance based, which means that the tool could automatically have a bias associated with it because behind the scenes, it's all algorithms saying that the mass population is that answers this question, answers it this way, 
But that means it may not be um, the correct answer to your specific unique situation because it doesn't know those factors. Yeah, and with leave, that's a great example. Uh, Colleen, you've got a, a pretty good large language model in your head. I've got a pretty good large language model in my head, and I cannot concisely distill down a leave <laughs> yeah. question to uh, I gotta look it up a, a couple of simple words. I've got to look it up too. And I think if you're looking at any question where you know if you talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and they tell you, I need to look that up every time, mm -hmm. then this is the place where GPT is going to be most likely to get it wrong because there's so much nuance involved. There, there's so many things that you need to understand beyond what the question is. So one of the frustrating things for those of us in compliance is when you see something written for one law that explains that one law but doesn't discuss the interaction. So Medicare and you, the, the COBRA qualifying events. Medicare is a qualifying event for COBRA, uh, but it's not because there's no, there's no scenario in which a plan would eliminate somebody's coverage for Medicare where that group would be subject to COBRA because the trigger for both of those is 20 employees. So you cannot lose your coverage because of Medicare while you work for a COBRA group. And so that's the type of thing that GPT is not going to pick up when you say, is Medicare a COBRA qualifying event? GPT is going to go and find Medicare for you and say, yeah, probably it is. Sure. But it's never going to understand that there's that behind the math calculation of, oh no, this to be able to do this, to get COBRA, you've got to have 20 employees to get COBRA, you have to lose coverage because of the qualifying event. Medicare secondary payers says we cannot cut employer coverage. There's no such thing as a qualifying event in this case. GPT is not there today. Right. And I think in that example and the other ones that we're talking about too, I think a good rule of thumb to remember, and, and I know when we talk with brokers and employers all the time, the one thing we always say is when you're making a policy or you're reviewing a policy, the first question you should always be asking yourself is, is this discriminatory in any way? If I put this practice in place, am I inadvertently or um, unintentionally discriminating against a particular population? And I think when you're talking about employee benefits and these type of tools where they are today, you got to ask yourself that same question because likely you're going to get a response that comes back that is probably going to be biased and or discriminatory on when you dig into it, which means employers always have the responsibility uh, to whether you're getting this answer through a chat GPT or you're getting it through a generic compliance relationship or any other tool that you're using, like a, a mineral or something like that. They have a responsibility to make sure they're checking the boxes for all the federal laws that they are subject to. FMLA, if they're large enough for that. COBRA, if they're large enough for that. Um, you know, other things, GINA, ADA, um, you know, non-discrimination testing under ERISA, ERISA itself. You just have to understand that these, this may give you a little bit of a path and a direction to go to figure out what you want to do around a particular policy, but you still have to do the diligence with your counsel to ensure that it's accurate. So let's talk about some of the good ways to use GPT. Yeah, because I know we might sound doom and gloom, <laughs> but there's actually a lot of benefit. Too. So in our world, we live in contracts, but uh, most people don't have any formal education in how to understand and interpret contracts. Um, most people were smarter than me and didn't go to law school, so they avoided that and, and all the work that goes with it. So when you get a contractual clause that's really hard to read, something that starts with here to for notwithstanding the <laughs> foregoing conclusions, where you say, why would they just not say, based on what we said earlier, right. <laughs> uh, 
But if, if you get some crazy language and you want to distill it down, copy it, paste it in. As long as there's no confidential information, paste it in and say, simplify this or explain this to me like I'm in 10th grade or something like that. And it's going to tell you exactly what that wording means without you having to diagram out what heretofore notwithstanding the foregoing means, because that's what you have to do to figure those things out. So that's a great way to do it is to reframe or recontextualize language and, and explain things, simplify things. But going the other way, you, you really can't do. You can't take simple language and effectively make it more accurate because you can't make a fuzzy picture sharp, but you can make a sharp picture fuzzy, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, it absolutely does. And I think that's myself. I mean, when I've used the tool, I mean, I when we're looking at <laughs> when you're talking about contracts, but let's be real, when, you know, the IRS drops one of their notices, that's 86 pages, and I start reading and I'm, you know, no joke, I'm only two pages in and I'm saying, okay, can you just tell me what this one paragraph means? It is helpful because then it, puts, it puts it in the overall context so that now you know what you're really focusing on as you're going through the rest of that journey of understanding whatever that material is. But I think another area that it could be very beneficial is a tool like this has the ability to compare information. So there's an analysis component to that. So think of something like, tell me the difference between um, a direct access point of service and an HMO. It can definitely return something like that. So if you need to explain something like that to your employee population, or if you're in you know, an enrollment meeting or something like that, it has the ability to do that. And to Chris's point, you can then say, give this to me on a you know, 10th grade reading level. So it can be very easy for somebody to understand. And I think that is a huge time saver to do something like that. Absolutely. And speaking of time saving, if you're listening to this and you are, uh, you're a one-person shop, which means that you're charged with marketing your firm too, it's hard to come up with content all the time. But it's a great tool to use to come up with ideas. So give me an idea, for, give me 10 ideas for a newsletter. Give me an idea for a blog post related to employee benefits. And with those, you're not going to publish specific factual information either. You're going to be publishing general information mm -hmm. designed to bring people to you to, to ask the specific factual questions. So come up with a, an angle for uh, why an employee should contribute to their HSA. It's going to come back with something that will probably be most of what you need or give you ideas for it so that you can then go put your flavor on it and your edits and your tweaks to make it your own. Uh, you want to check the the proprietary rights of the intellectual property of whatever tool you're using to see if you're allowed to use it as it is. But you're going to want to put your flavor into it anyways. Because one of those things that you do notice is if you do use these tools a lot, you can spot what's been written by these tools instantly. It's, it's a specific flavor of writing that mm -hmm. is not how I write. It's not how Colleen writes. It's how GPT writes. And it's good writing, but it's GPT's writing. So you're going to want to put your own flavor and spin on it anyways. Yeah, and, and I think um, as you're talking, Chris, one um, idea that comes to mind, which maybe we have to check this out and see what we get. Uh, one of the questions that we get asked a lot as you're talking about brokers being able to help market their services and their agency, um, we also get asked a lot by brokers and clients, can you help me put it together a communication plan um, for the year 
for my employees? Like, what do they need to know so that they know what's within the benefits that are in their medical plan and how to capitalize on that and really understand the value? So it'd be interesting to see if we put into a you know, chat GPT, can you give me you know, a 12 month calendar of the uh, monthly awareness as it relates to employee benefits or health insurance or something like that and to see what comes back. And as long as you're doing the diligence to ensure that the information is accurate, to do that manually takes a tremendous amount of time. So something like this could be extremely helpful. And then you could ask it to say, you know, what type of graphics would you suggest that would be best for, you know, healthy, you know, heart awareness month or something like that. So there is a ton of upside to using a tool like that in the benefits world. I also think um, when we're talking about um, benefits, another thing that we get asked a lot about too is benchmarking information. Or can you help me create a survey for my employees to help them, to help me understand if they think that this benefit program is working for them? So it's definitely something that that could help you with. Give me five uh, survey questions that I could ask my employees about whether or not they like their health plan. And it'll give you that. And it's huge time saving to do that. So while you were talking, I punched in to GPT. Give me a 12-month calendar of communications for employee benefits from a broker of health insurance and other employee benefits. And it gave me a 12-month calendar starting in July. Uh, but some of the important ones, looking at looking ahead, uh, in October, it's preparing for open enrollment. And it says, send a series of emails in anticipation of open enrollment, explaining the process and important dates. Hold a preparatory webinar to guide employees through the process and introduce any changes and benefits for the upcoming year. In November, open enrollment. And it talks about what to do there. In December, utilizing your benefits. In January, understanding your new benefit selections. In February, HSAs and FSAs. March is about wellness. April's life and uh, retirement benefits. May is family benefits and work-life balance. And all the way through June, mid-year benefits check-in. So I did that while Colleen was talking, and it just came up with a really good plan to stay sticky and stay in front of your employees and your employer clients with seconds worth of work. And the really cool thing is you can then dive in and say, give me more detail around June. And it, Give me some content to put on there. And it will continue to give you things. And that's an incredibly powerful tool for yes. individuals. This is massive computing power and massive horsepower for intellectual capital that now everybody has available at the touch of their fingers. That's an excellent example. And, and what was I talking? 30, 45 seconds? So <laughs> impressive, Chris. Your typing skills are good, too. <laughs> All right. So let's Not kinda... as good as GPT. <laughs> no. So let's kind of wrap things up what we're talking about today. So I think really the bottom line is just, you know, when we're talking to people, you have to know your audience. Well, you have to know the limitations of uh, chat GPT. Just be aware of um, the um, inaccuracies of the information when you're asking about factual information because it's returning conversational data, not facts. And um, I think what Chris is also talking about and what we're both kind of sharing is that there always has to be a human involvement to this because someone still has to fact check the fact checker, in this case, GPT, to ensure that what it is telling you is right. And it's got to also make sure that it is uh, um, meeting whatever the culture is of the company that's looking to ask these questions and they're getting this information returned. I think, Chris, you were talking about safeguards. Yeah, so ultimately you are responsible for the information you put out into the world, whether that be confidential information you want to keep close uh, or information that you put out that may be false or misleading. So you just want to be mindful uh, of that and um, 
develop processes. So if you've got employees, you want to make sure your employees know not to put PHI in. And this is all that you could probably have GPT write these policies for you, but you need to make sure that you read them, keep the human in the loop, communicate them, and enforce them. So if you've got employees that have access to sensitive data, make sure your employees know that they can't put it into GPT. If you've got um, a shared account, maybe because you bought the premium version, but you share it with your spouse, your conversation history is going to be in there. So even though you're already not putting sensitive information in there, one, you're probably violating the terms of service by sharing your account, but two, know who else might see what your chats are in there. So think through the ramifications of putting information out there in the permanent record uh, for everybody to see. If it goes to the internet, it's forever. Uh, what you want out there, whenever you enter something in there, imagine if it was on the front page of the New York Times. I think just a good rule of thumb to sum it up is check it out. It's, you know, it's extremely helpful to our business, but proceed with caution. Absolutely. With everything. I mean, I guess everything in life, proceed with caution. <laughs> yeah, it's, so. it's a great tool. Take advantage of it, but it is just a tool. And as Chris said, as we're talking, I mean, this is what its capabilities are today. This is something that he and I both, you know, we uh, play around with on a regular basis just so we can understand what the impact is expected to be in our world. So we're watching this, you know, all the time. And I would imagine, you know, another month, but certainly six months from now, we have this conversation again. It's going to be very different because it is evolving literally uh, by the day, but it can be helpful. So check it out, but, you know, be cautious, be aware. And, um, you know, I think it could be a good tool to think about for the upcoming open enrollment season. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone.